Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast, presented, of course, by Esports Network. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm joined by Maxwell Bettendorf, my high school friend, gaming enthusiast, and just all-around good guy. How you doing, Max? All-around good guy. I'm glad we can s- staple that in real quick. As long as yeah, everyone knows that, that, around it's like uh, Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. I'm just going to add little titles every time you come on here. Sure. I am Max, man of the hour, gaming enthusiast, friend of high schools, and leader of the broken world. So, happy to be back. Happy to be back. So, today we are covering E3. It is Thursday night at 9.30 p.m. Pacific time. And I'm recording late this time. We are. We are. Had to get it done after the conference in case something crazy happened. E3 just wrapped up today. And it was a pretty crazy, it was less crazy than past E3s, but the bar was set so high that we still have a lot to talk about for what came through in this conference. But first thing I want to start with is the history of E3 for people who aren't familiar with what it is. So E3 stands for the, oh no, Entertainment <laughs> Something Expo. What is it? Electronics no, Entertainment Expo. Oh my lord! I am <laughs> electri- oh, yes, oh, electronic yes, entertainment here. expo. I just get to it. I'm like, it's that. Yeah, it's E3. Come it's- on, no one needs to know what it means. See, yeah, the point is nobody ever calls it that. They just call it E3. But yes, the electronic entertainment expo. Three E's, E3. You get it. You figure it out. It's been around since 1995, and I have a quote I wanted to share for- with you. Uh, about why it was founded. So this is Tom Kalinske, the CEO of Sega America back in 95. And he said the CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, which was the major electronic uh, conference before and where video games were held back in 95, says the CES organizers used to put the video games industry way, way in the back. In 1991, they put us in a tent. And you had to walk past all the porn vendors to find us. That particular year, it was pouring rain, and the rain leaked right over our new Genesis system. I was just furious with the way CES treated the video games industry, and I felt we were a more important industry than they were giving us credit for. (laughs) Had to walk Hmm. past the porn vendors to get there. They they prioritized the porn vendors over video games. So that's an idea of how far video games have come in the last 25 years. Gives you a show on the walkthrough. Something exciting for all the gamers to go by. Yeah, and with all the cosplayers there, it's not necessarily the most family friendly family friendly place at an E3 <laughs> the wrong spot. Yeah. All love for the cosplayers though, but gotta be it's 18 and over for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You there's a equal cosplaying over in the porn vendors. Exactly. It's so not it's not as fantastic. It's every June, uh, about this time every year, and it's an it's an, a spectacle. It really is. It used to be in the mid two thousands when everybody released their game. Every single person was there, and now with the rise, Max and I were talking about this a little bit off air, and we're going to cover this. But now with the rise of social media, you don't need E three as much as you used to, because if you're a big publisher and you release a game it's going to get covered no matter what. So you don't necessarily need all the journalists. And in fact, 
sometimes now you're competing with a bunch of different releases and it's better to just choose a random weekend in July or close to the holiday season to announce your game because it'll dominate social media for those couple days where at E3 you might get overshadowed overshadowed by something else. Yeah, I, I definitely agree that back in a time before so much media was available, it was so much more vital to show off all your new games, all your new consoles to vendors, to retail stores, to journalists, to produce and publish that everywhere. But honestly, Nintendo has Nintendo directs a few times a year and they pull in almost as many viewers as you'd find just watching on Twitch, seeing the C3 spectacle. Maybe, maybe it's not as close in reference, but I mean, it's still, it draws such major attention and that's their own personal little E3. In fact, they called their show this year. It was their own. It was just a Nintendo direct. It was their effort at just putting their normal show up on E3 because they don't need anything more. The only reason they put it up there is because everyone else is, but if nobody else is, nobody cares for E3. Yeah, it's sort of turned into a more of a networking fest than it has like you go to be around the gaming industry, to meet people, to make connections. Uh, Almost all the major journalists are there. So there's a little bit of goodwill making. Uh, People throw parties like Ubisoft, Nintendo, they'll throw parties at night. It's really just a celebration of gaming more so than it is. I mean, you still have major games being released and we'll talk about that going forward, but it has definitely changed a little bit since its height as a purely professional driven event. Yeah, absolutely. So and, uh, we've seen, we've seen, well, we've seen um, players like Sony and Activision back out of doing E3 this year. This is uh it's not unheard of for, for big names to not be there, but someone as big as Sony or as big as Activision to not be there really starts to show a turn in the tide for E3. I personally love it. I love E3. Every year that it comes around, you get hyped up, you watch it with your friends, you get to pick out the kind of games that you want to see, and you start making speculations for what you what you might see. And you get a little bummed when you don't see them, but you get something new every time. Like the new Roller Champions, I didn't know that was coming, but that looks fantastic. Yeah, and we're going we're gonna to cover that a little bit. We've got three separate topics that came from E3, focusing on esports and not just general gaming. We're going to get to those, and Roller Champions is one of them. Uh just a little bit more on E3 and how it's changed. Like you said, Sony and Activision backed out, and that's not that would that would have been pretty much unheard of like five years ago, even. So that's why I say it's changed a little bit. But E3 was so far and away one of the most important events in gaming, arguably the most important annual event in gaming. And it's gone down just a little bit. It hasn't, it's still, I mean, we're still doing a podcast here talking about the event and what happened at the event. So clearly very important. (laughs) Um, Before we get to those three esports topics, I wanted to ask you, Max, what is your all-time favorite E3 memory? Could be from uh, the 2000s when we were were just growing up. It could be from last year. What was was your all-time favorite E3 memory? Oh, man. I mean, Nintendo's always just hitting the ball well out of the park whenever – Whenever they come in, I mean, the announcement of, of Breath of the Wild was huge. That was crazy. I, I got to say, that's got to be one of the tops. But I've always been 
extremely attached to like the Animal Crossing series. And their announcement this year was good. It was nice. I actually, when it came on, I was like, ah, oh, come on. This is crazy. Why, why are you giving me a pocket camp announcement? And I was like, oh, wait. No, no, no. This is a real game. Okay. All right. I'll watch a little bit. And then they, of course, bomb drop themselves by saying it's not coming out till March 20th of next year, which actually amounted to a $1 million or $1 billion stock market drop for Nintendo when they announced that. I have no idea why it would take that big of a hit, but Are you serious? Have, yeah, it was crazy. I saw that news. I was like, there's no way Animal Crossing, one single thing. And they pushed it back like call it four months. All they said was like late 2019 or something, or at least the math lines up since they always release their games on Fridays. It was said that it would show up if they, it's always on Fridays and they're attaching it to the date 13, then it's either in September or December. And so we're like, all right, we're not going to get it for a while. Now it's in March, not that big of a drop, but for some reason it's a billion dollar difference for their investors. That's crazy. I mean, Nintendo stock is so huge. So I, I guess I have to look up how bad the stock dropped. Um, Honestly, I didn't dig in too deep, but as far as my favorite E3 moment of all time, it might be Halo four. I mean, the, the release on Halo four was pretty nuts. As far as I remember, I'd have to look back. I mean, there's been some, some big moments, but back in those time, I was really attached to the Halo series. I enjoyed Halo reach. I was all about Halo three. And when Halo 4 came out, I was on it before they even finished the trailer. I could have thrown my pre-order in months prior had I known it was coming. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I'm looking at Nintendo's stock right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, what is that at? Yeah, so it did drop pretty significantly. It reached a high on June 10th of 45.39. And that was actually its high for the year. So Ooh. it had reached that 45.39 uh, high and then it dropped down to 43.1. So a $2 drop, which is significant, but on the year they are still up $8, So it's a, it's a green stock for 2019. Um, just experienced an incremental decrease right there, but... They were on a pretty total, significant rise for the last month or so. Total stockholder value amounting to about a billion when everybody sold once they saw that. I mean, it could mean positives. I have no idea. But frankly, I thought that was crazy that Animal Crossing has that much sway. And I know they wanted to push it out. I don't know. The spring seems a little weird because Animal Crossing is a huge console pusher and it makes sense to leave it around the holiday season. Even then I was like, man, that's really far away. But now it's like March seems like another world. I can't look at 2020 and pretend that that exists. What is 2019? That's not, I don't want to, I'm not ready for a new decade. That's too much. What is this? The Roaring Twenties too? I can't do that. All right. What was your favorite all time E3 moment? So I'm split. I've got two because I felt like it was a cop out to use last year's Nintendo. And that was when they went to the stage and they announced the new Super Smash Bros. And they said, everybody is here. Every single character that ever been in a Smash Bros. game was going to be in the newest Smash Bros. And it turned into a meme, and I just loved that pure bravado. Just be like, no, we didn't cut anybody. All those weird characters we probably should have never added, they're in it. You can play as Wii Fit Trainer. Have fun. <laughs> the Wii doesn't exist anymore, but you could still be that person. 
Jesus. Man, it's such a roster. Do you have you don't have the game yet? Yeah, you don't even have your Switch yet. I don't have You're my Switch animal. yet. I'm buying it next oh, week, boy. I promise. I promise. I know, I know. Yeah, we'll play some Smash then. Yeah, I, I can't I wait for that. Sports Network uh paycheck. So Mark, if you're listening to me, thank you. You bought me a Switch for next week. <laughs> I appreciate you. I am hyped about that drop on Banjo Kazooie. I'm all about it. Oh my god, I'm ready to play I love some Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait to play some Banjo Kazooie and just rock Samus. Yes, that is that is like the dream. I'm just really excited. I was a huge melee guy, uh, Valco main, wave dashing, all that shit. But I never got into any Smash Bros. after that, so I'm ready to dive back in fully to a new Smash Bros. title. Um, you announced you had two favorites. You had to split them up. What was the second one? I did. So I wanted to go old because E3's been around so long. I didn't want to use her from last year, and it was Gabe Newell breaking. His console, uh, what what should I say? His console ban. Gabe Newell is the founder of Steam, the owner of Valve, and he was forever. He's the reason PC Master Race is a slang term because it was just like, no, PC's better. Real gamers use PC. I'm not helping consoles at all. And there's a filthy console pleb. It always hurt my feelings. About 2010, he announced. Hey, Portal is coming to PlayStation. I'm going to go on the Sony stage and let everybody know that Portal is coming. And it was just awesome to finally see that it was a wall. It was a source of a lot of tension in the gaming world. And I felt like that press conference really broke down a lot of it by bringing over one of the most popular titles on PC and opening it up to the console audience. And it was important for... I think the future of gaming, as we've now moved to having games appear on console and PC and mobile and unique things like the Nintendo Switch, and really this this fluidity of gaming, I think that was a key moment in it. So that's why I love that, because it really did feel like a pivotal moment. Looking back on the gaming history, that felt like a really pivotal moment. Did they come out with the orange box at the same time, or is that later? Uh, shoot, I couldn't tell you. I feel like that was later, but it honestly might be the same. E3's run together in my mind. There's so many stages, so many press conferences, so many speeches. It's hard to remember what happened in 2010, what happened in 2012. But man, even if even if it was just Portal, that is one hell of a game. I absolutely love Portal. Portal 2, I play that game back to forth over and over again. Yeah. It was just cool seeing Gabe on the Sony press conference. It was just like, sure. oh, he's out there. Like he, the guy who's been holding this crusade against console gaming is on stage with Sony on their PlayStation 4 it, or PlayStation 3, I guess. That was so long ago. I'm used to just, yeah, PlayStation 3 was 2010? Had to be, right? And I have no idea. I've never been attached to the PlayStation realm. I've always been an Xbox player and I don't have any argument outside of I've always played it. I probably always will. My friends are on Xbox. PlayStation, I know, is probably a better console our high, for gaming. I, I, I'm not sure about that. Our our uh, our high school was very Xbox heavy. So, yes, we are all on Xbox because it was like a bit of peer pressure almost. <laughs> you didn't have a choice. Yeah, that you was your have game. A choice. You want to play with other people? You get an Xbox. You don't want to be the you friends, you little nerd. Get an Xbox, nerd. Um, I like the controller <laughs> on the Xbox. That's what always has drawn me over the PlayStation is the controller on the Xbox. 
When you get that Switch, that Pro Controller, it's a must. Okay. It's such a great controller. I'm excited for that. I'm excited for that. All right, but we have dilly-dallied too long. I promised we were going to talk about the current E3 and the three biggest esports moments. So let's get right into it. So I'm going to tell you the three moments right now that we're going to cover in case you're interested and you don't turn it off right now. Uh, so I'm going to tease the future ones. We are covering Roller Champions from Ubisoft, which is a cross with... Rocket League and Roller Derby in an interesting e-sporty field, covering that one. The new Halo and the potential return of Halo eSports, we are hoping. And third, the Super Mario Maker eSports speedrun competition. And basically, speedrunning's place in competitive gaming, how it exists, but it isn't really formally considered an eSport very often. But Nintendo turned it into a bracket format, and it was a true eSport, and it was honestly fucking amazing to watch. It was so cool to watch. Um, so those are our three topics. We're going to start from the top, work our way down. Number one, Roller Champions from Ubisoft. So, Max, I know I just forced you to watch a couple trailers, read about the game. First thoughts, first impressions, what is Roller Champions? Man, Roller Champions, it looks like a... like. A, a new style of gaming altogether. There are sports games, but I've ever since I started getting into Rocket League, I've recognized that sports games are push a button, make an action. You can push the B button or the X button or the square, you know, PlayStation's weird. You press the button and it, you shoot a goal. You press a button, you shoot a basket. You press a button, you pass a ball and you use the stick to run the field goal. But I mean... Rocket League, you got to get in the air. You got to fly around. You got to have some actual action and your reaction times and your ability to maneuver are all on you and against you at the same time. So I'm looking at roller champions and thinking if they can make that same feeling of you are under this pressure and you've got to make this move, you've got to be able to toss this ball into the hoop. You got to make these rounds and it's not just a push of a button. It's some serious action and teamwork. This could fit into what I believe is a true sports game. And it, it seems to play out that way. And it looks very similar to Rocket League in style and aesthetic with the orange versus the blue, mm -hmm. the kind of like cyberpunk kind of Neo themes that go on in the stadiums, the team size the and the pressure similar. of the audience. Yeah. So, I mean, it looks like it'd be a lot of fun. There's, it's still, you know, it's Ubisoft. So they're really a, a hit and a miss kind of a, kind of a group out there. We'll see what they can come up with for this. I didn't get a lot of look onto like what that gameplay is going to look like in a singular player perspective. It was just kind of showing like the graphics and the goal explosions and the effort put on by teams. But, you, you know, it's not like watching a single player play the game. You, you, it's a different feeling. Agreed. Yeah, cinematic trailers don't necessarily give you the best idea of what it's going to look or feel like. But initial reviews from people at E3 have been positive. People are saying it's a fun game to play. It's sort of intuitive. It's enjoyable to play with friends. So that's a good sign. Um, and Ubisoft has, honestly, I've been so impressed with Rainbow Six. It's one of my favorite esports that's popped up recently and just the way that game works and runs. I don't play it, but I watch it. And to me, that's the mark of a really cool esport because it has that added level of pure strategy that it's fun to watch and enjoy, even if 
you're not a super nerd who's playing it all the time. Speaking of super nerds playing it all the time, you were advertising your efforts when this game comes out. You're going straight for the gold. You're going to get into your own your own esports league in ro- roller champions. Huh? I said this is my my chance. I've come to esports uh, a bit too late, and I said roller champions is my is my opportunity get into the ground floor to become. No, I, I can't do it. I'm twenty. How old am I? I'm twenty four. Too old. I'm too old. I'm past the prime. It's like somebody who's thirty two trying to break into the NBA. It can't happen. No, man, I don't have the time or dedication that some kids have to really put the effort in. But honestly, when they do, I feel like roller derby be a one hell of a fun sport to watch, much like Rocket League. Yeah, it's so cool. And you mentioned that with Rocket League is that there's no button to pass. All you do is move your car in different ways. And there's so much different minutia that goes into it. But all you're doing is moving your car. You can't press a button to pass. You can't press a button to shoot. You have to do that by flicking or by aerialing or moving your car in whichever way you do it. And that's what separates it from the sports games. Because the sports games are like, they're they're hollow husks of the physical sport that just try to mimic the actual sport. And it's why they've really, really not really worked as esports whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah. Because I would hope that this does come out to work as an esport it it looks like it has all the potential for it the only thing that would hold it back is if it's really doesn't turn out to have that much longevity and it's not as fun as it sounds i mean everything seems pretty exciting when you play it for the first time out at e3 where you are the first people to touch it but when that hits general market it's going to hit the real presses and when that happens it could come down to not being that great We'll see what happens. I hope it sticks to what it seems like. And right now, it seems like it might be free to play, which guarantees I'm going to get my hands on it for sure. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. I think the one thing it really needs is a high skill gap because if it's easy, if it's relatively easy to play, and unlike Rocket League, so we're comparing to Rocket League, but I want to give a better idea of what this game really is. So you're grounded. You're playing roller derby. and You have a ball and you have to circle this track and then shoot it through the hoop. And if you circle the track one time, you get one point. You circle it twice, you get two points. Pretty self-explanatory. First team to five wins. Uh, Both teams have three people, and they are trying to tackle you. That is what their goal is, and apparently that's as easy as pushing a button. So they get next to you, they push a button, you're tackled, you're down. And you have to use teamwork to get the ball around, and... The defense has to choose, hey, do I want to catch up to them or do I want to circle back the other way and try and knock them out? Sounds like it has some potential for fun interactions, but it needs to really have things to discover. Like if you look at Rocket League, we're going to keep comparing to that because it's the best esport comparison. People figured out flip resets like a year and a half, two years after the game came out. People were discovering new things and still are. Like wave dashing came out the last year or so, only been used in competitive play the last six months. Those mechanics are so important to a game's longevity because you have to feel like there's more to discover. And if in if in this game you're just going around in circles, getting hit or dodging or passing, and there's not that higher level of exploration it's going to struggle. That's that's what I'm looking for in this game is some stuff that makes it feel like I've only I'm only doing 5%, 10% of what's capable of this game when I start playing it. 
There hasn't announced a release date yet. Just the fact that this weekend could have some free demo play, right? Well, it says on some things that an alpha version is coming out June 14th, which is literally tomorrow. Um, I don't know if that's a private alpha. I don't I don't know what how ready the game is currently. Um, I'll probably avoid it. I like to play a polished product before I jump in. Um, at least wait till I beta and something comes out on that. But I, I don't love to play a uh, bare bones version of a game because first impressions matter a lot to if I'm going to play it a lot. So I want it to be in a state that is pretty solid before I first pick it up. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely there with you. If uh, I don't remember the last time I've ever jumped on to an uh, alpha or even a beta for that matter, I'm pretty much an end product user. Uh, you know what? I think I do have it, Minecraft. But I mean, that was an end product, even if it's beta phase. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Fortnite's still technically in beta. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> They keep that on the top right going corner. Out like, of business before they finish it. What a joke. You're the largest game in the world and you've got Beto on there. I don't. <laughs> sure. Um, so the last cool thing about Roller Champions is it is this new genre of eSport because there's only so many genres out there. that There's a lot of eSports games, sure, and there's a lot of variation in them, but you have your MOBAs. Dota 2 and League of Legends. You have your FPS games, uh, CSGO, Call of Duty, Rainbow Six. You have your Battle Royales, Apex, Fortnite, and they all fit into this different mold. But Rocket League never had a genre necessarily. It was just Rocket League. And now it finally feels like Roller Champions is actually the second game in the Rocket League genre, which I would describe as a modeling traditional sports, but with a unique virtual twist. So not your they're not FIFAs or Maddens, because those are direct representations of traditional sports. But Rocket League and Roller Champions, it looks like, are this new thing. So Max, I pose this difficult question to you. What do we name this new genre of esports? Well, you can't you can't just call it a sports game because no, those, that's already taken. Yeah, those are NBA, two K, FIFA. Those are the sports games. So it's so. What about what about a sports simulation? I mean, that doesn't seem to fit the right realm. But you are simulating an actual effortful sport. It's I hear that or, compared or to these sports games, the sports titles too. Though I I hear them called sports simulations. I feel like it needs something and i don't have the answer so i'm sorry to pose this difficult question to you but we might have to leave this one up in the air as we move on to our next topic and i'll see if i can come up with something yeah if any of our listeners have a good name for this sports model i'm like i'm at like virtual sports but isn't that just esports yeah then we're just right back at it like it yeah i don't know if you if you have viewers if you've got a better name, shoot it out to us. We'll see if I can come up with one by the end of this episode. And we'll see who's going to be having the better name. And let's push it out to the ESRB and let's get a new genre. Let's get on a new board. genre on the board. Like that's a huge moment for the Esports Network podcast. We're going to we're going to name the next genre of esport if we can come up with a fucking decent name. <laughs> let's get a new genre on the board. Also, I apologize for cussing more when I record late at night. I've got a I've got a beer next to me. I'm 
I'm a little looser than our normal noon recordings. I'll be honest. You're just getting rowdy out here. Rowdy. It's a late guys. <laughs> Someone needs a calm midge down, and I know how to do it. There's a new Halo in our horizon, and I have a feeling you're excited about this. Uh, you are absolutely correct. I am excited about this uh, a little bit begrudgingly because Halo ropes me in every single time, and poor Halo. I haven't really loved a Halo title since Reach, and I actually really enjoyed Reach. Um, but it's it's just still has that hold on me that it gained from being such an amazing game when I was seven, eight, nine years old that when a new Halo comes out, I'm like, this is it. This is the one. Halo's back, baby. Let's do it. I'm I don't I don't really think that's actually gonna happen, but in my mind, I'm I'm stoked about it, but I am wary as well. It, I'm just jaded after all the years and really messed up releases of the game. It's been, I feel like it's had a hard time. I mean, Halo 5, not a bad game. Halo 4, not a bad game. But Bungie's step back from this and handing it off to 343 Studios, I mean, it may not be able to hold the same lust. We're looking at games like Destiny run by Bungie, and those ones, I mean, they've had their difficult moments, but those are some fun games. I still play Destiny 2, and that's the only reason I don't still play Destiny 1. I mean, they're fantastic. Bungie knows how to make a game. I just know that 343 is taking the same model of Halo and its excitement and its value, adding to it and seeing if they can push that back out as a better game. And so far, I mean, the gameplay, fun, very fun. It's exciting. But the stories have fallen off. And I mean, that's huge for a single player experience like Halo was originally bound to be. The online multiplayer is huge. Yes. I got my biggest kicks out of playing Halo three with my friends, making custom maps, custom games, and just absolutely messing around for hours and weeks and years. I'll always go back to Halo three, but no game is ever going to match up so far. So I'm looking at this new one and thinking they've got to have something big coming. I know something you were excited about is a potential re- return of a legitimate Halo esports since that's fallen off in the past. That years. was one of the games, and you're right. That was one of the games that got me into esports in general because I was such so big on Halo that I wanted to see the best players, and so I'm out here googling best Halo players. Just picture nine year old Mitch using probably Internet Explorer, like getting a bunch of ads, but then seeing these. Halo competitions pop up and I'm like, what? People are playing? This was in the days of uh, MLG, the the first renaissance of esports in the mid-2000s and that was one of my starts. And so the fact that Halo esports has fallen off, it just hurts me because it's such a great IP. And if you had to make me choose between the two biggest games in America at that time, or Halo and Call of Duty. And if you make me choose now, 12 years later, which game succeeds as an eSport, I'm choosing Halo 150% of the time, and I'm never thinking about it. I just enjoyed the game more. And the fact that it's fallen off so much, and Call of Duty has also had plenty of its troubles with releases, but the CWL is selling roster spots for $25 million, and I'm like, why, why can't that be Halo? 
too. Halo's got a way better opportunity to make a great esport. It's a fun, action-packed, flawless game when it comes to some serious, right-in-your-face combat. That was the best thing I knew about Halo. You look at people who play Call of Duty, you're hiding in a corner. That's where camping comes from. You don't camp in Halo. You're not going to win because you need to reset 25 points before anybody else does. And the only way you're going to do that is getting right in someone's face with a shotgun and you quick shot and punch them, drop them to the ground and then watch your back. You're going to get stuck. It's true. Yeah, the stuck, the the melee opportunities, the sword, the all the different guns. You had the different um, power ups, which is almost like how operators have caught on today. Halo is doing that with you can have a jetpack or you can have extra shield or whatever have you they have these unique abilities and that's literally the basis of fps games look at overwatch it's just a bunch of unique abilities call of duty's finally adopted it where they have different unique abilities like uh uh, rainbow six unique abilities and that's what halo had but just couldn't put the whole package together but i think there's a world where halo becomes one of the largest esports in the world because it's so unique as a game, the IP is generally beloved, and the fact that it fell off just it, it hurts me a little bit. So I'm so excited because I really hope somehow they've tapped into it and this will be the return. But this is the third or fourth time I've said that. Yeah, but I mean, hoping's all we got. The trailer that we received, not only was it just a cinematic trailer showing that Master Chief's coming back in his original glory. But it's also saying we're going to release this with the new Project Scarlet. Nobody owns the console yet. We don't know how popular it's going to be. It could die right there with the console if that's the case. I'm sure it'll get some push. But I mean, moving on to something new this late in the game is is positive for the growth of Microsoft. But a growth of a new game and a new eSport, that could be some trouble. That could lead to some big trouble. It's going to be very difficult. But Halo does have... We've seen other eSports that have developed and built up scenes... And Halo does have the benefit of people just want this to work. Like There's so many people who have the same mindset that we have, which is, please be good. Please be good. Please be good. And people will make excuses for it. Even if it's not a perfect game, people will make excuses. That's a general consensus. It can get better. It'll improve. We've seen games improve. Don't give up yet. Come on. They're going to fix it. They said they're going to fix it. We believe. We believe I'm like Stockholm syndrome in the corner, like shaking, like it'll, it'll get better. It'll, it'll, it'll get better. Didn't you see, they said they're going to add all these great things. No, 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 don't, don't go. One day, one day. No, anyway, I just love Halo. I think it's a beautiful game in how it works. I have so many fond memories playing it. And there were so many, I mean, You've got the biggest esports player in the world. I maybe shouldn't say esports player, biggest gamer in the world who's Ninja. And he started as a Halo pro. That's how he got his part. And now he's playing Fortnite and streaming and appearing in Super Bowl ads and has literally nothing to do with Halo anymore. And it's just... Can you imagine a Halo Battle Royale? I don't even like this trend of putting Battle Royales and everything. But man, that'd be cool. I'd play that. That'd be the one I'd play. That'd be the one I'd play. I'm not a big fan of battle royales, but I mean, my brother neither a big fan of battle royales, and they come up with a Call of Duty one. The guy likes Call of Duty. You put a good game into that genre. I mean, 
it'd be fun. I would love to go around, find some weapons. I mean, there's a arsenal of weapons you can get in Halo. You get some different grenades and you just tank them out. Those games would be shorter too. I think that'd be great. I think it'd be so interesting. And you could do, like, they have those massive worlds already built from the stories. I feel like it's doable. I don't I don't think it's like yeah, egregious to, to believe about, but who knows? I, they probably would have announced a Battle Royale if it was, you know, if it was in the game. Right now is literally the height of BR and... If they were going to announce it, they probably would have mentioned it at E3, so it's probably not going to be part of it, but I don't know. Yeah, but it's also, Battle Royale has become such a a last-ditch gimmick as of late. I mean, you're looking at like Fallout 70, or Fallout, what is it, uh, 76? Yeah, Fallout bombs, they throw like, a beer yeah, in it. Our game sucks. Our game sucks a lot, so we made all these changes, and now it has a Battle Royale. Please play us. Yeah, you can't just throw it at something. I mean, we really only have two super successful BRs. Well, three, I guess, with PUBG. But Fortnite... PUBG's now real strong out in the in the east side of the planet. Yeah, PUBG is still huge, made by Korean developer Bluehole. So they really captured... And Fortnite just didn't even release in Asia until like four months ago or something like that. So, yeah, they PUBG is, still has a massive market share for anybody saying PUBG's dead. They are not. <laughs> it is a massive game that has maybe more active players than Fortnite does because it is the second most popular game in Korean PC banks still. So you have a lot of hope for Halo. I mean, who wouldn't? Halo is has been around forever. It's my foray into playing video games in general. It's your foray into getting a part of the esports scene. But what can they do? What can they change? What can they add to this game to make it what it needs to be to really push the new console, to really make a new eSport, and to really put Halo back on the map as the greatest of all time? It's That's such a great question. I'm, I don't know if they can repair the damage, but I do think if they have a great game, people will come play it because enough people will buy it on the outset because it's new Halo. As for building an eSport, I just, I feel like it's a competitive structure. You need to come in, you need to have a ranked ladder and somehow for people to progress. I think you'd look at Overwatch's system and that's what you should immediately do because you want people to be able to play ranked Halo. Because if you want to build an eSport, you have to identify, hey, this is a competitive experience. You also have to balance your item sets for not having OP things like the sword, maybe at times, um, I don't know if like professional players wouldn't get abused by the sword because they wouldn't let people hit them, but I imagine with the close quarter Halo map, that would still be a problem. So what I'd like to see is a true solid competitive rule set, a lot of thought that goes into how this game will be played competitively, how it can be viewed, because that's huge, Like right now, Fortnite's item pools are fucked up. They have super overpowered items and all the pros are pissed about it. Overwatch is very difficult to view because it's so hectic. Uh, Call of Duty is still, I mean, Call of Duty is still a very popular esports. CSGO is as well. So Halo needs to do something that's a little wacky like Overwatch because that's what we're based in Alien World. And it needs to be fair and competitive 
and just have a good ecosystem. I think it'll develop immediately because I think there's a lot of disgruntled people currently playing Overwatch and Fortnite that would jump on a Halo game if made right with the right competitive scene. I truly believe that. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm not playing any games that are similar to Halo, but if someone told me that we can play the same fun that we had in Halo 3, the same competitive scene over on Halo 5, I'd probably boot that game back up, reinstall it, make sure it's ready to go. It's just a good game. And I think if a if a place really focuses on building it ground up competition wise, people will flock to Halo events and you got to put some capital. You got to put some serious capital behind it on initial startup and just try and build the player base and then build the viewer base immediately. Be like, this is an eSport. Halo eSports is back and we're going big with our first event and people will tune into that first event, but you only get that first impression made one more time you know the the esports scene can come back people want it people have fond memories of it but you have to go big your game has to be ready and that's their opportunity and i'm i'm hoping for it i really am hoping for it well as you're looking to get a uh esports back from extinction i know you were talking to me about a new potential esport competition coming out of uh a very unlikely source nintendo I was, I was. I like that you've turned into the host because I'm just on a ramble rant spree right now and so you you're now moving the podcast along. <laughs> Need to find a way to pull you out of Halo real quick. <laughs> I'm just on a, I'm on a mission right now. Um, so yes, yeah, so what you mentioned, the new Nintendo eSport, and we say it's funny because it's an unlikely source because Nintendo has ignored the Super Smash Bros. competitive scene forever. The Super Smash Bros. Melee scene has existed in spite of Nintendo, not because of it. And it's crazy to see the company that was so, had such an adverse relationship to esport turn a game, which was Super Mario Maker, into an esports competition at E3. So what they did was they matched up people in a bracket, head to head had them run Super Mario Maker levels. Whoever finishes the level first advances. Let me tell you right now, it was a blast to watch. So much fun. Did you get to see that? Did you get to see it at all? I loved it. It was one of my favorite new esports I've ever seen. And be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Your review of this has led me to believe I need to go back and watch this. Uh, after the after the Nintendo Direct was over, I kind of zoned out. I went back to work. I continued to live my life. And now I hear you talking about this, this eSport competition they threw out in Mario Maker 2. And Mario Maker 2, it looks super fun. The first one, I loved watching Let's Plays of entertaining maps, some real bullshit competitions going on because they're so goddamn hard. But this sounds like legitimate maps, legitimate players, legitimate competition, and it just sounds like fun. I I am bummed I didn't see it live, but I'm ready to go back and watch it. So you're going to have to play this thing out for me. I don't have much to add here. I can do that. So what was really cool about Super Mario Maker, people who aren't familiar, what this is is people get to create Mario platform levels. Everybody, I'm sure, is familiar with a Mario platformer. Well, now imagine the levels that Nintendo makes. Make them seven times harder and created by a sadistic person. And that's a Super Mario Maker eSports level. So what you have is people experiencing these levels for the first time 
and the craziest shit happens. Like, I'll give you one example. People are flying through the map because you also have to go as fast as possible. They're flying through the map and there's a POW button close to the lava and they're like, what, what is this? They jump over it and the map is designed to have one of those cement blocks come out of the lava, hit the POW block, turn all the blocks into uh, <laughs> into um, dust, I guess. They, they don't exist anymore and you fall into the lava. So you have to get this timing right of this block you can't see coming up and turning every the blocks you have to jump on into nothing and you just fall back. Oh, and you have to collect these red coins at the same time to unlock the next door. Oh my God, are you kidding me? That sounds so it's, nuts. That's way too It's so cool because you as a viewer are experiencing the same thing with you. Nobody, no other game has this. The maps are always the same in games. You know, you've played them, you do them. There's nothing new to experience. But having a new map every single time that you experience along with the players, you feel their frustration, you feel their their highs and lows. It was just really cool to watch. And what's crazy about it is it's taking two of the most competitive scenes of video gaming, eSport, obviously, as electronic sporting, but then also just speed running, which I've had just a ton of fun watching speed runs. And it's it, that is a hard competition. You watch someone like, uh, what's his name? Salt something. He, he does reviews of speed running and how like these players, they go one-on-one against each other and they're trying to grab the world record. And one, one to, like months after months, one guy grabs a world record. Five minutes later, someone else grabs it. Five minutes later, someone else grabs it. Five minutes again. I mean, it's just constant. And it's a crazy competition. You bring that to Super Mario World, Super Mario Maker. I mean, you're bringing speed running as an eSport into the f- forefront of everything. Yeah, you're right. Speed running is amazing. And I compare it to track a little bit and track and field events. As if eSports are head-to-head team competitions, then speed running is track where the medal doesn't always matter as much as the world record holder. Like who finished second to Usain Bolt? I don't. Idea. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Because the, what matters is the record. You can tell me who lost the NBA championship that happened tonight. So that's probably not fair. But my point is that in team games, it's a winner and a loser, but in track and field events, it's usually the record holder and everybody else. And that's what speedrunning is and was for so long. But now this head-to-head competition based out of it is a new esports genre. Oh, we got another one, Max. We got to do two. No, this is called speedrunning esports. I don't think we you know, you're right. Yeah, speedrunning esport that that's already got its name, and it would be so fun for professional map builders, which would end up just being some. 16 year old who's been playing the game for a bit too long and has the highest upvotes on all of his maps create something that could be put into a multi-million dollar esport competition for some players to play against and not only that this creates esports a fun game to watch it's a fun game to root for and it's a fun thing to have like teams and whatnot now there's customization now there's creation involved. This will become so much more fun. You can put little Easter eggs in your maps. You can do some real bullshit because everyone's fighting the same thing one after another. That if this becomes an esport, 
I'd be, I would want to actually be in the crowd. That kind of a rowdy nature with like, I don't know, all of a sudden you're running, you're having a good run and someone gets knocked out. It's, it would almost be like a Japanese game show. You just get attacked by something out of nowhere and everybody's laughing and having a good time. Even the players will be a little pissed off. They're like, God damn it. Richard, did you build this map? That's such a great comparison because I wonder if that was part of the inspiration behind it. Obviously, Nintendo is Japanese company. And if you haven't watched Japanese game shows, first of all, I don't know what you've been doing with your life. But second of all, Google, stop listening to this podcast is one of the few times I'll tell you to stop listening. Go Google Japanese game shows and just enjoy the next three hours of your life. Holy shit, those are creations. It is is American game shows on crazy hallucinogenic steroids. (laughs) They just want the most outrageous shit thrown at the most unsuspecting people flashing graphics and overwhelming shit all the time and it is just a beautiful creation they are so funny legal and that's the best part about (laughs) it uh yeah so super mario maker uh just fantastic as an esports scene and i i would love to be in the crowd because it's so unique to experience a map i already mentioned this but everything is new you know in every single other esport, like League of Legends, the most popular esport in the world, is played on one map, Summoner's Rift, and never, never changes. changes. Never changes. And you have a hundred and some odd, however many heroes who have different abilities, which create a very dynamic game, but the map doesn't change. The playing field doesn't change. And Super Mario Maker is the first esport that I'm aware of. Rainbow Six is actually interesting because you can break holes in just about anywhere in it to actually transform the map in your way. But obviously a meta develops, it gets pretty standard. Um, but Super Mario Maker, completely new. You have no idea what's going to happen on each level. You're experiencing it the same time the players are experiencing it for the first time. So it's really an exercise in reflexes, in adapting, in thinking on your feet. And it is intense to watch two guys both trying to take down Bowser, dropping icicles on his head, and whoever gets the last icicle first, it's it's just an intense esport, and I'm here for it. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely on board. If if speedrunning become, becomes an esport, I will be its greatest advocate. Yeah. So if you're interested in speedrunning, you're in luck because the biggest speedrunning competition of the year comes up in just one week, and that is Games Done Quick (GDQ) is a massive uh, speedrunning convention uh, for charity. And if you're interested in the speedrunning scene, that is probably the best place to start. And that starts on June 22nd, I believe, 20th or 22nd, I can't remember right now, but comes up very soon. So check out Games Done Quick if you're interested in speedrunning and then rewatch that Super Mario Maker competition. And I really hope this becomes a standard thing. Like I really need this be a consistent esport. You're having a hard time with esport tonight. You need some new roller champions. You can't wait for Halo to get on the scene. And why don't we just throw a brand new mess in there with speedrunning? I'm here for it, man. I got time. I got time for esports. I mean, I'm already falling behind on half the esports out there, but I love new esports. And that's one of the, my favorite things about it because I came from the traditional sports world. But new sports don't pop up, you know? No, they're yeah. they're established. So to go to E3 and be like, 
oh, I could see myself watching a lot of Roller Champions. I could see myself watching Super Mario Maker Esports. Have two new games Esports introduced in just the span of a week. It's incredible. That's it's so I, that's why I love this. It's yeah, you, you're you're never going to see a new sport come out, and you just look at a video game, and with the snap of your fingers, you're going to know exactly how that can become a sport all of its own and grow a greater following than American football ever did. It's true. It's true. And it's, you know, esports are going to be the future of a lot of games. And I don't believe traditional sports are going to go away or anything like that. But on events like this, when you can look at all these different opportunities out there for games and it just feels like the future of uh, entertainment and when the, when people are raised on the digital generation, the traditional sports fans will fall away a little bit. There's no doubt that esports fans are younger and traditional sports fans are older. So as time goes on, I really do expect esports to take up a large portion of the general competition atmosphere that sports have right now. Yeah. Speaking of which, we got a RLCS finishing up their finals this coming weekend. Well, I guess it's not this coming weekend, but the following one. So Who next week. I I got Vitality. I got Vitality taking this. I know they didn't do very well in DreamHack. And I know C9 is my team. I love C9. Cloud9 is an absolute mess of power. But they got really rocked by NRG in the early season. So for them to take over DreamHack gives me a bit of hope, but I was kind of hoping for an NRG Vitality in the final and Vitality sweeping them for a That's actually win. the same final I have, but I have NRG winning. It's finally Justin's no. turn. This is no. Rocket League. Justin, Justin had his time. He's a great player, but he's a great player versus three fantastic players. You're talking Fairy Peak. You're talking uh, Scrub Killer? You're talking JNAPS? JNAPS isn't on. It's not happening. Oh, no, no, no. Who am I thinking? Uh, who's who's third on Vitality? Uh, I'm actually not sure. Remco? Is it Remco? I'm not even sure. Not Remco. Um, but not don't, Remco. don't sleep on uh, Gary G, my man, on NRG. Gary G was the guy. He was one of the – it was him and JNAPS were considered the best NA players. Then Squishy came up, and now Justin's here. But, man, Gary G – can't, can't mess with Gary G. Great team. The, I can't wait to see the third the fight. Of Vitality. Did you look it up? K Dop. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Vitality is untouchable. K Dop is, is nuts. K Dop is way nuts. All three of them are, are absolutely rocking this competition. They dominated the European team. I mean, Dignitas really didn't have their time out there, but we're coming in and I'm going to watch Vitality win this one. Nah, no pass. I love Scrub Killer. <laughs> well, I just don't want to see Scrub kill his ego when he actually becomes an RLCS champion. I couldn't um, deal with that. It was cute when he was 14, but his voice dropped and he got a lot taller and now it's like, come, come on. on. Yeah, it was, he had more of an ego before he could play in the RLCS because he was like, I'm just going to smack all these people. He's still really fucking good, though. There's no doubt this. I mean, his name's Scrub Killer. Like, you can't have a name like that and not be just a cocky little asshole. Love you, Scrub. If you ever, by some chance, listen to this podcast, don't think I'm hating on you. You're a fucking amazing player to watch, and I love playing ones mainly because watching you. But 
you're not going to listen to this podcast and you have an ego, you little asshole. <laughs> All right, Max, I think we need to wrap up. I'm going off the rails here. So, <laughs> Yeah, time to jump on, let that steam out. I'm yes, I'm actually yourself. planning on playing. You want to hop on there? Uh, yeah, okay, I can meet you on it. there. Let's play a little bit. Let's get some, let's let's get get some, some wins. Getting back to Diamond. That's the, that's the dream. <laughs> take me. We'll, take we'll me get somewhere. up there. All right. Uh, to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this Esports Network podcast. I hope you enjoyed the very looser late night E3 recap. Uh, just to summarize it all, very excited about Return of Halo. Begr- well, as I should say, begrudgingly excited about the Return of Halo. Um, interested in the new esports genre of roller champions. Hit us with a name if you have one. Pfft, still have nothing. Sports light, fake sports, sports. As a, oh yeah, I forgot I was yeah. supposed to figure Visual that sport. out. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, no sports uh, replica like real, real sports, sports, new sports. I feel like sports is, sports is an off topic for that. I mean, it's it's so much more than what the generalized sports is. This is this is gaming at its most primitive and most biased. yeah it's so it you're right you're right it is a primitive form of gaming it's almost like i mean fighting games are the most primitive i think punch punch fight each other sure. but these are the natural extension of these arenas simple high skill caps hopefully for roller champions i don't know this is you just take an avatar and you just make shit happen you don't pick up a weapon you don't shoot a gun. You don't attack somebody. You can blow them up, but that's still just everything is just travel. You're just yeah. moving. I don't know. I don't know. We'll come up with a name eventually, hopefully. But for now, thank you for joining us. Also, check out Super Mario Maker. It's dope. It's so much fun to watch. I promise you that. It is an enjoyable experience. Um, that's it for this podcast. This will be going up noon on Friday, Pacific time. I'm going to Ben for the weekend. Would have met up with Max, who lives out there, but he is going to his brother's graduation. Uh, congrats to Grant, by the way. I feel like I should say that on the podcast. When you when you headed out? Yeah. Uh, I'll be out of here midday tomorrow. I'm taking work off. The girl and I are floating down the river, and then we're just going to send it straight oh, over the hills. Float down the river and then the drive. I like that. It's getting hot out here. Trying to get some water I like on that. I wish I could join you on that float, unfortunately. We'll be up there about four o'clock, so just gonna miss you. Yeah, you'll just have missed me. Well, I'll catch you on Rocket League in a second. To our listeners, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. We'll be back next week with more esports news, esports topics. Have some fun things in the work for you, including a unique new football league using Twitch to control players. The FCFL talking to their CEO next week for a podcast. So you have that to look forward to. Tuning out now, going to hit the Rocket League pitch. Adios, everyone.